At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 567th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is expanding the functionality of her property. We're talking with Leanne Hasner about creating her urban farm. Leanne learned gardening from her parents by helping them plant flowers, as well as pick string beans, tomatoes, and peaches in Northeast Philadelphia. She attended Saul High School of Agricultural Sciences, initially wanting to become a veterinarian before realizing blood and guts were not her thing. She received a bachelor's in hotel restaurant management from Penn State University and worked a few different management positions, including at a farm-to-table restaurant, which reignited her gardening spark. Leanne and her husband purchased their dream home two years ago in New Jersey and have started creating their urban farm. Inspired by the Urban Farm podcast, Leanne decided it was necessary to come up with a name. After a few days and countless suggestions from friends and loved ones, David finally blurted out something, anything, and that was it. They are now in the process of transforming their already beautiful property into a complete oasis of mostly edible landscape. Welcome to the show today, Leanne. Are you ready to rock? Yes. Thanks so much, Greg. I'm really excited to be on the show. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yep, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, We had a really great big backyard. And probably about when I was about five or six years old, my dad got these two peach trees. And looking back on it, I kind of realized how much I grew up with these trees and really appreciated the the fresh fruit and just the joy of picking a, you know, a sun warmed peach and like taking it right in the house and, you know, cutting it up and sprinkling some cinnamon on it and just, just eating it right there. It was just, um, it's just pure joy. It's like so simple. But so as I got a little older, like, and I thought that veterinarian might be something that I would like to do. Then as I got more into it, uh, you know, I'm a little bit squeamish with blood and guts. So uh, mm-hmm. not really my thing. So, but through my high school, I had a lot of opportunities to learn a ton of different things through the FFA. And then from after I graduated high school, went to Penn State. As you mentioned, after Penn State, I worked at a farm's table restaurant, which, you know, hyper local food. They used all parts of, you know, whatever animals they they used for their meals and, mm-hmm. you know, just that super quality, fresh local stuff. And mostly everyone that worked there had this passion for gardening too. And 
it was just so exciting and refreshing to work with people that are like-minded and all so fresh and just, it was great. So after that, my husband and I, we've been living in a house literally a mile from the house that we found. So I was a pet sitter and in between my pet sitting gigs, I came home and we had been looking for houses for, you know, a couple months at a time. And I found a listing for a property a mile down the road, didn't even know it existed. It's on a dead end. It's on the lake. Wow. We immediate, yeah, we immediately called our realtor, got an appointment that day, came to look at the house, fell completely in love with the house. Every, every room we looked at, we just fell more in love. And I went outside to look around the property a little bit, and it was early springtime, so I think it was around March, and none of the trees had foliage yet, so I could see right down to the lake. So as I'm walking along, here comes this big, beautiful bald eagle flying oh. over the lake, and I was dumbfounded. And then I look a little closer, and there's these two beautiful white swans swimming on the lake. and. <laughs> I, I asked my realtor and I said, you know, who did you have to pay to, to create this, this magic that's right. happening right now? Wow. So, yeah, so we just really fell in love with the property and we we're so lucky that we were able to get it and we're thankful every day that we're here. So that was a big piece of it. And then, so along with our property, we have a super awesome neighbor who is also into gardening and she mentioned our town's green team to me. And so... I was like, oh, well, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. So then I became a part of our green team for Oakland. And again, just more really awesome, like-minded people who are super interested in sustainability and regenerative, you know, property caretaking and, you know, things like rain gardens and making sure we're recycling properly and food waste and composting, just the whole shebang. Wow. So you're really (laughs) Um, into the into the town and the neighbors about getting them to be regenerative. Yeah, absolutely. Where where did Um, you stumble across the word regenerative at? Mostly from your podcast. Oh, all right. (laughs) Very good. I didn't, I didn't plan that answer. So no, I know definitely not, but it's, yeah, that's, that's mostly where I've heard it recently, but you know, it's something I think that people are realizing is more important than the sustainable piece. It needs to, to continue going. So, and recreate things. So after joining the green team, I wanted to continue on my quest for knowledge of gardening and such and have started listening to a couple different podcasts in which I found you were interviewed on a different podcast and that led me to the Urban Farm podcast. So once I was listening to the Urban Farm, uh, that convinced me to create a name for our property. Yay. And which, again, you explained a little bit about that. And so my husband kind of just blurted it out in desperation. And I said, that's it. So we went with something, anything, urban farm. It's a little bit more of a suburban farm, but same idea. And then again, back to the podcast, learning things about permaculture. Our first year here, I spent just observing the land Seeing oh, what, for you. yeah. So I needed to see what grew where and where the sun hits, where the trees grew in, where the water flows, where the wind blows. <laughs> you know, all of, all of the things <laughs> that has also led to me being conscious too of once I, you know, 
started implementing things and systems that I wanted to try to be as sustainable and use as many recycled things to create the other systems that I wanted to create. So my garden beds are mostly trimmed with either logs or, you know, recycled pallet wood, or I use pallets to make planters and things in my greenhouse have been recycled or pulled from other people's trash. So again, just trying to leave a smaller impact. Yeah. And so you're using resources recycled from Craigslist, Facebook, neighbors. Tell me about that process. Yeah. So there are so many resources that I am just now figuring out. The most recent, actually, on Facebook, a local woman created a plant swap group, and it has opened so many doors. Uh, You know, a lot of people think that gardening or growing your own food has to be expensive, and it doesn't. Amen to that. Yeah, so there's just so many resources, whether you do things such as harvesting the seeds from the produce that you already have. And I know sometimes that's not always the best route because, you know, things are sprayed with chemicals to prevent future growth. But, you know, you could potentially start a pepper plant from seeds from your sweet peppers that you had in your kitchen. The easiest one, I think, is potatoes. They're they're great. To... Get organic potatoes at the grocery store, and when they start to eye out, you plant them. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, man. And that's that's actually one of my favorite fresh items are potatoes. You don't realize how long they've been on their journey to get to you until you've had a fresh potato that's, you know, a day old or that day from your garden. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so Facebook is a great resource. Craigslist, the free section, a lot of people will put on Craigslist, you know, curb alert or yard sale this day, and they'll put pictures or previews and asking your neighbors, hey, do you want that pumpkin from Halloween? No, you're going to throw it in the trash. Okay, let me plant the seeds and grow 25 more pumpkins. You know, being mindful. Another thing that I found recently too is I work at a coffee shop and when we run the air conditioner, the condensation that drips off of the pipe out back, I collect and then store that in my rain barrel for future use. Wow. So you've really taken this whole observation piece of permaculture to heart. Yeah. (laughs) You know, a lot of times you kind of just go through life and it just moves so quickly that you don't think to take the time to notice these things. But yeah, the permaculture has definitely made me start to realize a lot of these things. Nice. And you've played with permaculture enough and you've listened to enough podcasts on it. Can you kind of explain to me what permaculture is for you? Permaculture is, as a lot of people have mentioned previously on the podcast too, working with nature to create systems basically where everyone wins. So instead of fighting nature, you know, trying to kill each and every single bug, you encourage it and you, you know, let's say you plant specific pollinator plants that invite different types of bugs that will then eat the other bugs. So everyone wins. You have a beautiful garden and it's all good. Nice. And a big piece of this also, you you mentioned being mindful. Tell me about how being mindful has impacted you in the garden. Going back to the observation piece, just paying attention to what is going where and just being there. It's being mindful in the garden is easy for me because it gives me something to focus on 
aside from the outside world. So it's much like a lot of people, it's very relaxing for me to just kind of dive in and be engulfed in, you know, the garden and nature and that process. And I think a big piece of it is being mindful and being present right in the moment. Yeah. Because I think we see so many things if we're being present and mindful in the moment that we wouldn't necessarily otherwise see, like condensation at, from the coffee house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I just noticed the puddle that it created. And, you know, there's a great patch of grass in that area that gets to benefit from that water, but there was still so much just evaporating. And I thought I could really use that. <laughs> so uh, I do. <laughs> and they're super supportive of it. They were like, oh, that's a great idea. So, And that's really, from, from my perspective, that's really what this whole regenerative process is. And you've said it twice now. It's a win-win. Everybody wins. Yeah. 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 Uh, excellent. And how have you participated in the plant swap and uh, what kind of plants have you traded and what have you gotten? So far, I actually, my neighbor, <laughs> thankfully, so she has a small pickup truck, something on my list of things to get in the future. Right. She has a small pickup truck and I told her and invited her to the group as well. And I caught her pulling out of her driveway one day going on her way to pick up a free azalea bush. And she said, hey, do you want a free azalea bush? And I said, <laughs> absolutely. Right. So, yeah, and allowing other people to be part of the group has really been my contribution thus far. I haven't actually gotten to swap too many things at this point. I, I have given some string beans to a neighbor. I've given some pumpkins to a neighbor. I potted up a tomato plant for another regular at the coffee shop that so we got to talking. And so I gave her a tomato plant and... You know, it's a really great platform for advice, too. So for people oh, just yes. starting out, mm -hmm. it's such a great community and it's everyone's so supportive. And one thing that I have a lot to learn from from them is I don't have many house plants yet because I have three cats and they think that they're toys and they right. will go boom. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in pursuit of a few house plants that I may be able to hang up high and out of reach. And there's a, a huge interest of house plants on that page. So again, a great resource. Nice. So I'm walking up your driveway into your farm and what am I going to see? All right. Well, the first thing you're going to see on the left of the driveway are some beautiful black eyed Susans that are blooming right now, along with some lily flowers and also a lot of nettles and out-of-control growth that uh, I'm just letting be for the time being. Uh, to the right, we actually have a pretty large bamboo thicket. That can be problematic, but can also be utilized in a lot of different ways, which is another thing on my list to tackle going forward, uh, whether it be using the bamboo to build trellises for my plants or I tried making like an eco confetti and food coloring to make you know just an eco-friendly confetti for parties or like maybe outdoor weddings or something wow. uh, just trying to get yeah just trying to get creative with it I do have to keep it under control a little bit because I don't want it completely overtaking the property so 
there's a bamboo thicket. And then continuing, so our property is a bit of a semicircle. So the driveway goes straight back along my neighbor. And then the circle part, like the semicircle part, is along the lake. And with that, it is a hill. So there is some flat part, but there's a majority of our land is a hillside. So some of the benefits of that are that we do have mulberry trees growing. And the mulberries are actually pretty accessible because they're planted sort of down the hill. Mm -hmm. So the branches are, are within my reach because the trunk is, you know, five, six feet down the hill. So that's really cool. I recently discovered that they were mulberries and that they're edible and I've been eating them ever since. So they're actually blooming right now. I have also right next to the mulberry trees, I have my little greenhouse. So it's about six foot by eight foot. I have that lined on the outside of that where all the full sun hits. I just created a little bit of more gardening space. So I have some tomatoes and some peppers and cucumbers and a bunch of sunflowers planted there. In addition to that, I have a raised garden bed that currently has cut flowers. So they're not in bloom just yet, but hopefully July they'll they'll start getting some blooms on them. I have uh, bachelor buttons. I have zinnias. I have they put nasturtiums and daisies, and I believe there's some snapdragons in there as well. So I'm really hoping for a nice, beautiful, bright, colorful patch of land over there. And I also have some garlic and some blackberry bushes. The blackberry bushes, I think, are about three years old. So they're just starting to get some berries now. Nice. I, yeah, I have some garlic, which I'm really excited about because last year the squirrels got my garlic. And I have a small strawberry patch, which needs a little bit of improvement because I don't think that they're getting quite enough sun. Mm-hmm. Continuing along the semicircle where we still have all that flat area up top, I have a nice long compost pile. So I turn that uh, maybe once a week, every two weeks or so, and just kind of keep it keep it moving along. And so the things that we put in the compost pile which leads me to the next piece of what we have on our property. So we have chickens. So we put their manure. Yeah. So I have chicken manure. We do our grass clippings. We do shredded bamboo. If I, you know, if I take stuff down and I have a whole lot of it, we'll chip it up. We'll throw it in there. All of our food, you know, fruits and veggies, Mm -hmm. wastes, which is also really great too, because we have this nice big window in our kitchen area and the compost pile serves two purposes. So it allows me to create wonderful, fertile soil for my plants, and it also feeds our wildlife. So we have, yeah, we have resident groundhogs that live in the hill, so I'm pretty sure they're they're a mated pair. We have one that's a little bit lighter in color than the other, so I know who's who. So they come up and enjoy, you know, watermelon rinds in the summer or pumpkin or apple rinds and cores and things like that, avocado they'll eat. Wow. And then, yeah. And so we also have a family of raccoons, which is really adorable. I heard them, <laughs> I heard the baby screaming the other day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The mom and dad were trying to scurry them along down by the lake somewhere. They were, I don't know, they were just trying to make them go from one point to another. And uh-huh. the babies were just very upset about it. <laughs> it was very loud. So it's if you, really cool to see. Yeah. So if you have chickens, though, the 
raccoons um, and chickens don't often get along. What have you done to keep the chickens safe? Correct. So the run is the run and the coop are completely fenced in, like mm-hmm. top, bottom, underneath everything. And that's actually one of the requirements from our town ordinance is that it has to be completely fenced, bottom, top, really, whole nine. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's distance guidelines that has to be a certain distance from the house and from your neighbor's house. They, we can, we can't have roosters, so we can only have hens. Mm-hmm. And our first, our first year, we can have at the max, we can have four. So we do, we do have four. We just got them this year. We got them in March. So they're just, they're fun. They're just about starting to lay. That did you get them as chicks? I did not. They were they were about six months. So oh, okay. they they started laying. Yeah, they started laying pretty soon. So I haven't noticed any evidence yet that anyone has been trying to get to them. So there's no there's no real there's no digging. There's no mm-hmm. wires bent or anything. So I'm I'm you know continuing to keep an eye on that. But I'm pretty confident that we're we're safe. Nice. <laughs> so, and who who built your chicken coop for you? Well, that's a whole other story. (laughs) So initially, I had attempted to build the chicken coop myself. My husband, he helped me purchase and pick up all the the lumber Mm -hmm. from the store. And, you know, we I just I have a bad habit of jumping into things before I've completely planned them. (laughs) You and me too. (laughs) And sometimes... I have a little bit of a difficult time articulating my vision. So that's another communication piece that I'm always working on. Um, You know, when communicating with my husband, sometimes things get a little frustrating because I'm just not articulating what I, what I really want. So um, this whole urban farm is a, a great process and it's always continuing to teach me lessons on many aspects of my life. You know, I think if we're paying attention while we're doing this, that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, definitely. And then, so in addition to the chickens, I also have blueberry bushes that I just planted. So we do have a couple of blueberries on them, but I'm expecting them to get much bigger next year. And then in the future, I want to get apple trees and also figure out ways to utilize that space that is all hillside going down to the lake. Mm -hmm. So right now... I currently planted pumpkin seeds as if they were fairy dust, and I just sprinkled them everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So they are coming up nicely, and my goal, hopefully, is that they will follow the sun down that back hill, and hopefully I'll get a few, but I know that the groundhogs will probably enjoy them along with the raccoons, but Mm -hmm. we'll see what we get. I love the way that you're processing building this out in your head, and I love the way that it's showing up because you're just jumping in and you're trying things. And that's really what permaculture is about is we have to observe, which you've done a lot of, and then, you know, try something and be willing to fail. And I love that. Yeah. My husband actually really often tries to get some digs in at me in saying that I'm, I'm a professional plant killer, which trial and error, you like you just said, you need, you need to try. And I, and I tell him all the time now, my response is it's just part of the observation process. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and the other, the other thing, and you've, you've articulated this many times since we started talking and that's the abundance of nature, you know, how, you know, free 
trading of plants and there's just such an abundance out there. Once it starts happening, it's like, what do you do with it all? Well, you know, you're sharing it with the animals. Oh yeah, absolutely. And neighbors too. I mean, if I, if I, so I personally don't really like string beans very much, Mm -hmm. but I, I found that someone in town does and they don't take up a lot of space to grow. So she lives in an apartment and doesn't really have the space to grow them and love them. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to grow string beans for you because I like watching them grow. Yeah. Yeah. I love watching them grow. It's, you know, it's great to see them. They climb up, you know, a piece of my deck and get all the sun and it's just, it's cool. It's cool. That is for sure. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might've learned from it. All right. So we're going to go back to the chicken coop on that one. The chicken coop was quite a test of patience and I realized that I just didn't have the skill set really or like I said before the vision wasn't really being articulated and I couldn't convey what I wanted to do within the budget that I wanted to do it and so finally my husband as sweet as he is bought me a prefab chicken coop for I think it was for our anniversary so that was extremely kind of him and very beneficial for our marriage I'm sure and also just for time you know time wise it was it was really easy once it was delivered it was you know it took a few people to put into place and then screw together but it just it went from you know me attempting to build this huge structure without much of a plan and just kind of winging it which took you know three or four months and then it was prolonged by by the weather being rainy or windy or too hot or, you know, or my work schedule and just a lot of things to overcome and a lot of obstacles. And so, you know, instead of like quitting or giving up, we just rerouted. And that was really sweet of him to reroute for you. With oh, you. I'm yes. going to say with you. Yes, yes, yes. He is very excited about the chickens. He's, he's always been excited for them, but now that we have them, we are already planning to increase the flock next year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have commented and, and showed us the, the photos of what they call coop town. So a couple little chicken coops that are, you know, like a bank or a saloon or the hair salon or the, you know, Uh they're themed different things and they're decorated real cute. And he's a big advocate for Coop Town now. (laughs) Nice. Is that a website or what is Coop Town? So Coop Town, I think someone, I don't even know the person, uh, but it was on Facebook and it was someone's husband built her a Coop Town for her chickens <laughs> and uh it's just kind of gone viral i guess it's been spreading around for a couple months now and it's just it's cute it's funny it's cute and you know it's for their chickens and everyone's getting a good laugh from it nice i just uh i just uh googled coop town husband makes wife her chickens a chicken coop town we'll have to yeah look, we'll have to look into that that's looks that's looking fun yeah so that was funny yeah, so I just I just learned that, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to take a step back and reevaluate your mm-hmm. process and then continue. Excellent. And what do you consider your biggest success? So my biggest success at this 
point, I would say, is influencing people in a positive way. Over the past six months or so, I've actually had two different people tell me that I have influenced them in ways such as reminding them about greener alternatives, creating a compost pile, just making an effort and just doing something, like just going for it. And I can't tell you that there's a better feeling than when someone confirms that that you have reached them. It's just such a satisfying yeah. and like rewarding feeling. Mm-hmm. And I know that you know that with the with the urban farm and it's just cool. And a lot of my ability to share my energy and continue to influence people comes from my family and how they encourage my love of the outdoors as a child. So I thank them a lot for that and allowing me to to grow and play and, you know, pick the peaches and help grow the tomatoes and, you know, the rose bushes and things like that. And also, of course, for my husband, who is my enabler in the best way possible. He makes all, if well, most, if not all of these projects that I've done come to reality. Isn't it great having a partner like that? Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Heidi and I have been together for seven years and we had an opportunity to move back into the urban farm. I've been here for 31 years now, but I took a year mm-hmm. off and we had an opportunity to move back into the urban farm. And I said, you know what? We could go find another place to buy or we could move back into the urban farm. And we came here and spent a day here and she fell in love with the place. And now she's got her uh-huh. Heidi's happy hens out back and she's oh, well. you know, a great chicken mom. And so I, I love when partners show up that way in our dreams. Yes. Yeah, it's just great. And what drives you? I always love being outside. We already went over that. You know, growing up, I just, I was outside all the time in the garden. And I am a big music fan too. Uh, a lot of alternative rock in that that genre. And a musician from the band Incubus, the lead singer Brandon Boyd, I follow him on Instagram. And he posted a book and it's called Kiss the Ground. And by Josh Tickell, yep. and it goes, yeah, so it, there's a whole elaborate title along with that, but I'm sure if you just Google Kiss the Ground, you'll find it. So Kiss the Ground, I actually haven't even read the entire book, but what that did, the first couple chapters, what that did for me is it frightened me into action in the way that it talks a lot about chemicals and the types of chemicals that are being used on our food and in our water system or just things that are running off into our water system. And people, I don't think, are fully aware of the consequences of what they're eating. The the Roundup that they use to spray on their weeds is literally Nazi warfare chemicals. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I... <laughs> I just, I didn't know what to do or think or, and I just thought to myself, I just need to grow my food. This is, this is just crazy. This is poison, actual poison on our food. Mm -hmm. And I, it just blew my mind. So that, that was really kind of the tipping point. And like I said, it, it frightened me into action the things that continue to drive me more locally, like on a daily basis, are the connections that I make with the earth, the 
other people in my community and also with myself, just learning, you know, so much about myself along the way and, you know, communicating with people and just making all those connections and it's just being human. Wow. Good on you. And (laughs) if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Yeah. So it would be that book, The Kiss the Ground. Uh, Like I said, I actually, I'm not completely all the way through it yet, but the title indicates that it will give ways to help improve the way you eat and how you care for the environment. So once I finish that, then I'll know better about it. But (laughs) I just, that the beginning of the book was enough to influence me. And so the the Kiss the Ground would be the book that I would suggest for as far as urban farming or or growing your gardens or learning more about the environment. And then I have another one that's more of like a personal growth kind of thing. So that's more along the lines of confidence and it's called you are a bad, a blank blank. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the the book is called, the book is by Jen Sincero and it's just kind of like a self-help book to kind of help get yourself out of your own way and Mm -hmm. stop, stop doubting and just go for what you want. Awesome. Awesome. I, I definitely have heard, in fact, I've, I've, uh, I've got a copy of Josh's book. He does great work and I've read some of it. So excellent choices on books. Thanks. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Grow something, grow anything. <laughs> um, and then also just use all of your resources. Take a minute to look around and try to find things that are available that maybe you didn't know about. Ask your neighbors, ask your family, join a a group in town, Um, you know, just really, really find those resources. And I love how you integrated the name of your farm in your piece of advice. (laughs) Grow something, grow anything. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, it's very influential to me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Leanne. Thank you. And how can our listeners find you? So we do have a specific Instagram account for our urban farm. And the handle for that is something underscore anything underscore urban farm. Cool. And that's on Instagram. Yeah. So, yep. Instagram, feel free to send us a message on there or comment or follow along. And it's uh, public. And, yeah, anyone can see. And we post all of our adventures on there of what's happening. Awesome. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Leanne. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. 
Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.